Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 248 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Toyota Tundra, the BMW iX M60, the Hyundai Sonata N-Line, the Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 e-performance, the Honda Prologue, um, Elon Musk's crash course, Concorso Deleganza, the Nissan Sakura, and more of Hyundai's electrified vehicles. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 248 of Wheelbearings. I'm Sam Abul Salmon from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin from the Fast Woman podcast over at Newsweek. And I'm Roberto Baldwin from The Thing Gadget. All right. Uh, Nicole, what have you been yes. driving? Um, Hyundai's. Only Hyundai's. All Hyundai's. Hyundai. All day, all the time. <laughs> so I had a Hyundai in my driveway. I went to a Hyundai drive program. They swapped my car this morning. Guess what I got? Another a Hyundai? Hyundai. Yeah. A Hyundai? It's a Hyundai. I know. Shocking, right? <laughs> so I have all Hyundai's. What I actually drove last week was the 2022 Hyundai Sonata N-Line, which is the fun Sonata. I mean, all the Sonatas are pretty decent sedan, but the... Base engine on a Sonata is 191 horsepower. The end line, 290 horsepower. It's a pretty big difference. Also, you That's get a more for those That's, keeping track. Yeah, the yes. math. Thank you for the mathing, Roberto. <laughs> math. Uh, he knows greater math. than. <laughs> he knows greater than. So when you're getting the end line, you're getting truly the sporty version. It's not one of those situations where it just looks that way. It actually has the horsepower to back it up. Um, it handles that way. It's fun. I mean, it really is an aggressive and fun sedan. It was funny. I was driving it in, in heavy traffic and trying to get through this traffic. And my husband's like, well, this thing kind of moves. Like, I think he looked too mild mannered on the outside for him. And he's like, wait, this seems like this is actually a cool car. I'm like, yeah, this is actually kind of the, the sedan. That's like, yeah, I'm just a sedan. No one buys sedans anymore. Woo. This one's kind of fun. So I enjoy this. And I, I like Hyundai's. I like the styling, the way they did, like, the lights on the front, that it kind of travels up a little bit and sort of this little stripe that runs along, like, the hood and the, where the fender meet. Um, it's got some great styling. It's comfortable. It's quiet. It does all the sedan stuff. It's comfortable. It's roomy. It's quiet. Um, it has the right amenities inside so that, you know, passengers, who is your focus when you have a sedan, can all, you know, have a nice experience, whether you're just driving around town, whether you're tackling the morning commute or whether you've got like a genuine long distance road trip, it's nice and roomy. You can get comfortable in this. You've got a choice of three different engines altogether. But if you go with the end line, you get that 2.5 liter turbocharged engine. It really makes this more aggressive than you think. You don't really think of sort of what looks like 
this like mild mannered sedan as being something that's truly fun to drive. It is. And it's also not outrageously expensive because one of the things that happens a lot of the time when you get into any kind of performance, anything, your normal version is a reasonable price. You either do the performance upgrade, whether it's just an appearance thing to make it look sporty or engine or both. Suddenly you've broken the bank and it's no longer an affordable car. This one, not the case. It was $34,840 as it sat in my driveway last week. That is not a lot for a sedan. That's a very reasonable price. And this thing had pretty much everything you could want. It's, it's fully loaded. It's not like there's all this extra stuff that you're going to want to add on there. It's got like Bose premium audio system. It has like, let's see, a 12.3 inch digital like instrument cluster. It's got a 10.25 inch infotainment touchscreen. So it looks every bit the upscale car inside with little bits of red accents all over the place because where orange means you're ready to go off road, red means you're ready to go fast. That's today's color theming in any car. Huh. They're off. Their little off-roady versions get orange. Their fast versions get red. Um, so Just out of curiosity, you said that that was the price as it sat in your driveway. Does that price change when, you leave, when it leaves your driveway? Only if you get a ticket. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it could. It could. <laughs> plus um, gas. I think it's a that's plus a reasonable. Gas. I think the only extra on there too for the end line, I there was one extra on this. It was $195. It was included in that price that I quoted. It was carpeted floor mats. So apparently they sprang an extra basically two hundred bucks you get fancy end line floor mats to go on there, which I would buy because they look cool. Like if you're going for the whole end line thing, make the whole thing look cool. Get the fancy well. floor mats. Why not? It's 200 bucks. That's practically nothing in the world of, you know, cars, cars and delivery. Wait, here's your, your destination. How much you think the destination was guys? Guesses, guesses. 1100 bucks. You're too high. Really? 995. You're too low. 1045. Hmm. Darn it. Back in the middle. So, so Roberto wins that one by prices right rules. So he yep, does. Win he wins right. one dollar. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wins by prices right rules. Uh, so I mean, and I like. I, I generally am a feel pretty positively about most of Hyundai's vehicles. Like there's little quibbles here and there, but I like their vehicles because I feel like they manage to pack everything you want into the car. It, it does what it's built to do, whether it's an SUV or whether it's a sedan or whether it's something sportier like a Veloster. It does what it's supposed to do at a price that makes it still affordable. And you're not sitting there thinking, oh, I really, I thought I was getting one thing. I got another or to make it really what I want to make it. I've got to add on $10,000 worth of random bits and pieces to make it seem like the car they're trying to sell me. Um, so I liked the Sonata N-Line. I'm a fan. Have you guys driven it? I have not driven the Sonata N line. Okay. Just the regular old Sonata. Yeah. Just the regular okay. old Sonata. I have done the Kona N line, and that was fantastic. Fantastic. So, uh, I, I was I was supposed to have a Kona N line this or yeah Kona N line this week, um, but they swapped it at the last minute. Uh, Hyundai apparently needed it for something, and so they sent me Ionic an Ionic Five instead. Okay, that's, that's not a, a bad swap. trade. That's yeah, I feel like you, I don't think you that's suffered a, for that upgrade, swap. really. Um, so that was so that is basically the you know the lowdown on the Hyundai Sonata N line. If you're looking for nice roomy sedan, but you want to have a little bit more oomph than what you have in the rest of the Sonata lineup, um, because there's a 191 horsepower base engine, um, 
on the, or on the SE and the SEL, there's a turbocharged engine. So you get the turbo thing that's 180 horsepower that you can get. And then there's this 290 horsepower, uh, 2.5 liter turbocharged four cylinder. This is the fun one. This is the one where the fun lives. But I also, in my, it's all Hyundai all the time, spend some time in Nashville, Tennessee, where I'm really sad I didn't get any Nashville hot chicken. I feel like I missed the boat. I did not get that while I was down there. I did get biscuits and lots of jelly at Loveless Cafe, which was delicious. Um, but we were driving all the electrified stuff. They, uh, it was just an electrified drive program. So we had the Ionic 5 that you have sitting in your driveway, Sam. We had a Kona EV, which you have sitting in your driveway all the time, Roberto. And then we also had the Tucson and the Santa Fe plug-in hybrids. And we did it on a drive route where we, it was only a one day program. So we got like a small amount of time in each one. So you took those four cars and you divided them up over one drive route. Um, and the idea was really just to sort of showcase all of their electric vehicles. We've talked about the Ionic 5 a lot. Sam, I know you're going to talk about it more. I like the Ionic 5. I think it's good. That Kona though, man, that thing was fun. Now I know why you drive that, Roberto. That was a fun, that's a would fun you, little car. Did you say it's fantastic? It's fantastic. I, you know, I think I've, I don't know why I was just, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll drive the Kona EV. It's, Roberto's it's the, got yeah. bad, bad Roberto's got that, whatever. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know why I even listened to the guy, but okay, fine. I'll drive the car. And I drove it. It was really fun. And I had it in this, like, it was blue. I don't know what the color was, but it was so bright. It was like you needed sunglasses to look at this blue. This is really, really bright blue. Uh, so it was striking. You could find it in a parking lot. So, uh, you know, the Ionic 5, great, like, S they say it's an SUV. I don't know. I'm going to argue. SUV crossover. It's in that small squished SUV category. A, that should be a just a big hatchback. It's it? a big hatchback. I like that. But it's if you call a, it a hatchback, nobody will buy it. Correct. Yeah, but we, if know you, it's a, we know what it is. Yeah, yeah. If you call it a hatchback, no one's going to buy it. Um, but basically, that's what it is. It's a, it's a big hatchback. And it does that great. The Kona is actually a wee tiny little thing. It's really fun. I thoroughly enjoyed driving it. We had some nice little twisty roads they put us on um, outside of Nashville. And then the Tucson and the Santa Fe, the plug-in hybrids, they were good as well. I think the thing that you walk away from most after spending time driving four different vehicles, two plug-ins, two EVs that are, you know, from a, it's not like this is an EV company. You know, this is a company they build all kinds of cars and all kinds of other stuff that you walk away thinking it's it's neat to see that electric vehicles or electrified vehicles don't feel different in weird ways than just driving something with a gas engine. You know, you get more torque when you hit the gas or hit the accelerator on an EV, that sort of instant torque. But you don't think about the fact that you're driving something that doesn't have a gas engine under the hood. You don't think about the fact that you're driving on the plug-in something that you can plug in and get, you know, some electric range. The time that you really notice it in all the best ways possible is when you're someplace quiet. You roll down the windows, you're driving on sort of a side road. With an EV, you hear nothing, and it's kind of glorious. And the same thing for the, the limited amount of range on a plug-in. So I think it did a good job just being on this program of sort of proving that if you think that electrified stuff is still kind of weird and out there and it's going to be a negative and it's going to be different enough that you're going to sort of miss the things that you like about driving something that's purely gas powered. You probably aren't going to, I mean, there really is a lot to be offered by all of these vehicles and this is just 
from one manufacturer, four vehicles from one manufacturer. And there's EVs coming out from everybody right now. And there's plug-in hybrids coming out from everybody. So I think it was an interesting program. It was neat to see that Hyundai took the time to just say, we're going to showcase just this. This is all we're going to talk about. It's just electrics and nothing else. So I had the, you know, very not electric Hyundai Sonata N-Line and then the very electrified everything else. So it was, it was an interesting program, and I appreciated that they gave us the opportunity to drive them. Cool. <coughs> yeah. Um, oh, by the way, that blue is the one we own. We went out of our way to find No way. You have that blue? That <laughs> yeah, blue is awesome. I loved it. I'm like, holy had, like, cow, this is bright. like the gray and black one at the Hyundai dealership, like a few miles from our house. Yeah. And I just kept looking until I found one. It was like 45 minutes from our house is where the blue <laughs> one. And so we went all the way out there to get it. It's really cool. It's, worth it's, it. such, it's such a cute little car to have it in that really bright color. It's it's awesome. I loved yeah. it. It's easy to find at a parking lot. Yeah, so you're never going to lose. You're like, where did I park? Wait, that's me glowing in the corner. There I am. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, Robbie, what about you? Oh, no, I didn't know it was going to be my turn next. I had the uh, – so I went to Germany, and I drove the BMW iX M60. This is the M version of their iX electric SUV. I drove it from, I drove it around Berlin, then I drove it from Berlin to Munich, and then from Munich all the way down to Lake Como in Ooh. Italy, where apparently, um, who's that guy? George Clooney. I guess yes. he lives yeah. there. And then someone was saying something about Kardashians or something. There was a wedding. One of the, I just literally saw <laughs> that and I was like, hey, I think that's where everyone was doing that little drive program. Yeah, a Kardashian got happened. married. Yeah, someone got married down there. I don't know. I don't. I don't know about either of those other things. But I do know about the BMW <laughs> iX M6. You mean you didn't hang out with George and his wife? I did not. I did not <laughs> hang out with George. Um, I did drive uh, the vehicle for a very long time. Um, it has. It's an all-wheel drive. It is quick. It is uh, very much a proper SUV, uh, M-powered SUV. I think um, BMW. Um, I did. I drove the i4 M50 at the same time I drove the regular uh, E-Drive i4 40 um, last year. Anyway, when I did, I did. Um, and yeah, I think BMW A, they've done a really good job with both of these EVs. And uh, they did a really good job making them both M's. Um, it has five, not 500, 610 <laughs> horsepower uh, has a range of about 280 miles, which I tell you that we, there was no way we ever got that good of range because we're driving on the Autobahn. Um, and because you're driving on the Autobahn and you're American and you're in a sport SUV that just happens to be an EV, you're driving at 200 miles an hour all the time. <laughs> uh, no, so we're doing, um, you know, it has a top speed of i think it's 250 which is let's see what they're that's about 150 yeah so the oh so the electronically limited speed limit is 155 miles an hour which uh no one in america should be driving anywhere on the roads i got this up to 120 miles an hour on the autobahn um somewhere around i would say 110 115 it does get a little floaty a little squirrely so you little, didn't go that not, much faster. Not, not squirrely. Just, it just seems to float a little bit more than, than, you, than you want for something that's going that fast. <laughs> I'm a little surprised um, for an M model that, that, that it would yeah. be. Yeah. It's also, well, it's, A, it's tall. B, it's heavy. Yeah. At some point, you have to, like, you know, you have to take the – those sort of things just sort of – I mean, you can – I could have gotten it to its 250 kilometer an hour 
if I really wanted to. Um, but I didn't because a no one should be driving the M the M60 or IXM60 at 120 miles an hour in the United States, and I don't think anyone who buys it in the United States is ever going to get that, <laughs> that even that fast. I'm sure one or two people, but for the most part, everyone's going to be doing maybe 90. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is 100. this is obviously going to be people's track day special. Yeah, no one's going to be tracking the IXM60. It is quick though. I mean, it's 811 pound feet of torque. Um, which is yeah, you, you stomp on that, you stomp on that accelerator, and it uh, it'll tell you, it'll snap your head back. Um, it uh, yeah, it still has a lot, you know. It's it's essentially the interior is pretty, it's the same as the IX. It's very future looking. Um, it has the the crystal um, controls for the do- not for the doors, the crystal controls for your chairs, um, and then the crystal. You know that little round the, the iDrive. controller, iDrive? That, that's a crystal, and when the sun hits it just right, it shoots a rainbow in your eye. <laughs> um, it still has that wood area around it, so it has little buttons there, and and, and so it looks really classy. Um, there are some weird things that, that I still am not a fan of with the uh, latest version of, uh, of the iDrive system, which is on this vehicle, when you hit the mode button in the little wood area... Um, it doesn't like it. It doesn't go through the modes. It just brings up all three modes on the screen, and then you have to pick one. There's like efficiency. There's like regular, and then there's sport. You have to actually hit one of those on the screen, which on I, the touch I, screen. On the touch screen, and then once you do that, it just, it's a little you know the little background art for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that shows up on the screen, and it doesn't just go away and back to let's say you're using navigation or whatever. It just stays there. Now you can hit the mode again, and it's supposed to go. It'll, you know, but you have to go back and you know hit the navigation button and go back to. Na- it's it's really weird. I don't understand why that is the way. I mean, I know why it ended up being like that because it is part of the touchscreen as opposed to just hitting the mode button two times to switch modes. You have to hit it and then go to the touchscreen. Yeah, that's I don't like that. Um, I Overall, wonder if that's was, just a pre-production software glitch or something. No, no, it was on the IX too. I drove the IX two oh. weeks earlier. Yeah, nice no. try. No, no, it's it's a, it's a thing. Um, but they can do an over-the-air update and fix it because they're going to do an over-the-air update and add two more modes to the vehicle. They're not Ooh. drive modes. They're just sort of atmospheric modes. Like they'll change the <laughs> ambient light and they'll change the sounds and stuff. Uh, one is relaxation, and the other is something else. I can't remember. <laughs> I think it's like excitement or enthusiasm or something. Um, but yeah, you'll get two more modes that are essentially, I guess, regular mode, but they have different sort of like ambient lights, and you'll you know when you're driving, it'll make fun noises. If you're if you're a fan of fun noises uh, when your car is uh, driving. Um, yeah, the steering was nice for you know it's still a large vehicle. We uh, went up. The Swiss Alps did some some pretty crazy switchbacks um, on a road that was you know it was it was it was two lanes but really just one lane. <laughs> one of those do. roads. One of those roads. Uh, if you ever drive in Europe, you'll yep. one day you'll be on a road and you're like, oh wow, this road's really really narrow. <laughs> Which guarantees um, a box truck is going to try to pass you in yeah, the other direction. Yeah, we, like, we, okay, we were, I'll I'll drive into this ditch. I'm good. I'm good. We were gonna do a. Uh, uh, we were coming up to a, a place to do a, a driver swap, and right before, right when we got there, there was another, you know, switchback to get to the to the buildings, and there was a suddenly there was a Prius. <laughs> <And> we're like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah, 
So it's definitely not a road you can like really just go hog wild on. But you're, I was able, you know, we were able to determine that the um, all-wheel steering does in fact make it uh, easier to get around those roads. Um, those switchbacks are super, super, super tight. Uh, they're far tighter than than you, what you would probably see on on a majority of U.S. roads. These were, I don't know how people with bigger vehicles were doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good drive we got, and we got to charge it. Which is something you never get to do on a drive program. Mostly, you, when you go on a drive program, yeah. here's the car. Here's how long you'll, you know, if it has, let's say the car has 300 miles of range, they'll give you the car for 220 miles of, you know, 220 mm-hmm. miles. Or they'll like, oh, hey, let's have a nice long lunch, and they'll run off and charge the cars for you, and you'll get back in the cars, and they're all, you know, they got another 20, 30% added. Uh, on this program, because it was essentially two long days of driving. Um, and we were driving very, very fast because, you know, Autobahn. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we got, to char- we got to go to charging stations. And uh, this charges at 195, so it's still a 400-volt system. Not, you know, I still wish that, that Mercedes and BMW would uh, jump over to 800 volts. But we, we got, I think, 185, 189 um, at one of the stations. So it's, it charges pretty quickly. It's not really that long of a wait. Uh, I went and got some weird McDonald's food because I was in another country and I never eat McDonald's. Um, yeah, no, it's still big. It's still um, uh, the design is still polarizing and the vehicle still drives really nice. And for the most part, I like the interior. I like the new infotainment system, except for a few little issues like that 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 drive mode thing. It's, it really <laughs> bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> How much is the M60 going to cost? Oh, I'm sorry. It will cost $105,100 the destination fee, $995. So that's, oh. that's, where you're, that's where you're saving some money. It's even cheaper than Hyundai. Okay. $995,000. worth it. Yeah, yeah. He's, nothing. And, nothing. And what, have they said what the EPA range is going to be? Yeah, that was the 280 Oh, okay. That's their estimated that's... EPA. That's their target. Um, we it's never got, we didn't, we, there was no way we were going to get to that. When you're doing 200 yeah. miles an hour on the road, you're just melting. You're, you're essentially just burning through electrons like a, like a wild man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then on, you know, on the back, on the way, when we were going through the mountains, because we weren't driving some crazy amount and on the way down, um, when you are, uh, regenerative braking, the maximum, it'll send 220 kilowatts back to the battery. So it's got a pretty good regenerative braking system. It's got one. One pedal braking. It has adaptive braking, which I did not like until this car. So they have adaptive regenerative braking, which I've used on the iX and the i4. And I talked to them. And they're like, yeah, they've probably updated. They've, they've, we've been updating mm-hmm. stuff. So I believe that they've updated because on the iX and the i4 that I've driven, it always felt inconsistent. Uh, the way it works is like adaptive cruise control. You know, as you come to a car, it'll you know it'll slow down. With adaptive braking, it determines like based on the vehicles in front of you and the road conditions and and the road itself, um, how much regenerative braking that it'll it'll uh, implement. And it always felt a little like sometimes I'm like, oh, it'll do a lot of regenerative braking, and it didn't. And then sometimes it did a lot more than I anticipated. Um, but now with the IXM60, it feels huh. like they've done it better. And this was a pre-production model. So I'm guessing it probably has the latest uh, software for that. So uh, something that I didn't like, I actually ended up using for most of the drive. Um, so so good job, BMW, for making something that I didn't like. Um, kind of 
like. <laughs> I actually like now. So they, actually, I kind of like in less than a year. Sounds like they probably um, reduced or you know limited you know how much it can change you know from based on the conditions you know so it's more consistent. Yeah, yeah, and I think that they 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 just fine tune on how how you know the roads and and you know oh there's a corner coming up let's adjust this oh let's this yeah you know all these over the air updates I mean your your car's just it's evolving while it's in the driveway <laughs> excellent <laughs> just evolves while you sleep it just it evolves while you sleep there's a, you get up in the morning there's an update and you're like hey what's a, what, what new thing do I have now and they're like oh we gave you a new sticker <laughs> all right well I had the um Toyota Tundra 4x4 Limited Crew Max 5.5. So that is uh, that's the the new the new Tundra, the all, the completely redesigned Tundra that came out last year. Um, four wheel drive uh, Crew Max, the Crew Cab, and this is the one with the shorter five and a half foot bed. You can also get it with a, a six and a half foot bed. Um, and this one is um, you know this year for the the, the new Tundra. It's only got two powertrain options. Um, in the past, they've had a, a naturally aspirated V6 and a, and a V8, V8 engine. This year, they've kind of gone down the Ford route and uh, ditched the um, naturally aspirated engines altogether. Uh, so you have the option of either a 3.5-liter twin-turbo V6 that has 389 horsepower and 479 pounds-feet of torque, which is... Uh, I think slightly less power and slightly more torque than the similar 3.5 liter EcoBoost in an F-150, uh, but overall, it's, I mean, it's not not a whole lot of difference between the two. They're pretty pretty comparable. Um, and or the other option is that same engine with a hybrid, um, and it's a similar type of hybrid architecture to what you get uh, with the F-150 where the, the motor is in between the engine and the transmission uh, in place of the torque converter. Um, I had the, the, just the, the, the non-hybrid version, um, which uh, was interesting to have, you know, right after having the hybrid F-150. Uh, you know, and I talked about the F-150 last time. The, the fuel economy I got with the hybrid F-150 was not particularly impressive, you know, it came fell short, well short of the, the label value, twenty three miles per gallon. I got uh, I had like nineteen and a half with that one. Um, this Tundra um, is rated at seventeen miles per gallon city, twenty two highway, nineteen combined, and I got just over seventeen with it. So it also fell well short. And I wasn't driving it particularly aggressive, and I didn't didn't haul any mulch this time. No mulch. Um, uh, so, was, was it really even a test? I know. No, was it even? Did not, you even drive it, Sam? I, I, I did. You know. Well, I drove it to to you know to go to Farmington Hills to drive the new Nissan Z. Um, so <laughs> fair. <laughs> uh, you know, no, I did. I did a fair amount of driving with it, driving around town, some highway driving, and you know, the fuel economy was just you know kind of un, unimpressive. You know, considering. You know, part of the reason for, you know, going with these, you know, more modern engines is they're supposed to be more fuel efficient. And frankly, it was not that efficient. One- well, well is, it, is it because the engine isn't that efficient or is it because they decided to do what everyone else what has done and essentially just put a billboard on the front of their truck? Therefore, <laughs> define all logic when it comes to aerodynamics. <laughs> 
Well, there is that. I'm sure that's part of it. But I mean, that factors into the EPA label values too. And you know, those you know, it didn't even couldn't even manage. You couldn't even manage to match that. Um, so, one of the weird things about this uh, is this is one of the first non-hybrid Toyota vehicles that I've had that has auto stop start. And usually, when when you have a vehicle with auto stop start, when the system is engaged, when you Come when the vehicle comes to a stop and you've got your foot on the brake, the engine turns off. When you take your foot off the brake, the engine restarts. No problem. What was strange with this one is if you, you know, if you, if in normal driving conditions, you know, you're usually not really hard on the brake. You know, you're, you put your foot on the brake, you're coasting down to a stop. And, you know, you come, you, vehicle stops. You would expect the auto stop start to sh- switch off the engine. In fact, what comes on there's a message on the on the cluster, you know, with a little icon, you know, indicating the brake pedal and a foot on the brake pedal. And if you want the engine to stop, you actually have to press down harder on the brake pedal to get the huh. engine to stop. And then you have to hold it down because if you release that pressure at all, and, it, and it's a fair amount of pressure to get the engine to shut off. And it, as soon as you let up on that brake pressure at all. The engine restarts, which is really kind of a strange system. I've, I've that's never. A, that's a weird, strange, weird. lazy yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think it seems, seems like, like double tap on tra- the end. It seems like what they're trying to do because a lot of people don't like auto stop start, and so most manufacturers. A lot of people. Just, Does anybody not? Who doesn't hate it? Well, it doesn't. Uh, I don't. It's, it it depends on it. The, it depends on the vehicle. On some well, vehicles, it's fine. Like, like uh, mild hybrids, it's totally fine. Yeah, I don't on like it hybrid, on hybrids. On mild hybrids, it's totally fine because because like... en- the electric engine like starts you moving before the so the electric motor keeps gets you going and then the engine catches up. Yeah, on regular cars, it's sort of like uh... <laughs> just like so. You know, on on most vehicles with auto stop start, you know, the manufacturers will put a switch you know that lets you disable it. So if you don't want it, you you just hit the switch and. It, it disables it. In this case, they've kind of, I think that what they've done is they've kind of, they've done this in order to try to give you on-demand disable capability. So if you don't press hard on the brake pedal, it's not going to shut off the engine. And if you want it to shut off the engine, you have to basically press harder, um, which is seems like a weird way to go. And I think most people are probably never, never going to press that hard on the brake pedal and hold it down while the car, while the truck is stopped at an intersection or a red light, um, you know, long enough to, to actually keep the engine off. So that was a little strange. Um, other stuff like the, you know, it's got the Toyota safety sense to ADAS package. So it's got adaptive cruise control, lane centering, um, blind spot monitoring, all that good stuff. All that worked fine. Works really well. Um, no, no issues there. Um, the infotainment is the, the latest generation of Toyota's infotainment system, which we've talked about before. It's a much, much, much improved version uh, system from the previous Entune systems. The interface is much nicer. It's got a 14-inch center touchscreen. Uh, it's got support for wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, there's a, a, a wireless charging pad, a Qi charging pad for charging your phone, so you can put it down on there. Um, one... One thing that um, that I complained about before when we drove the Toyota BZ4X um, is that with this system, 
when you're using, basically you can only get one thing up on the screen at a time, even though you've got a 14 inch display that could easily show you, you know, nav and your Mm -hmm. media player controls. You can't do that. (laughs) You, You can see the map. Or you can see the media player controls, or you can see, you know, there are other settings, but only one of those. Pick one. Choose one. One right. and only one. Listen, but listen, if, listen. If, the old Intu was so bad, we should just be happy. Oh, no, you're, you're right. I mean, this is a huge, huge improvement. Absolutely. No no complaint there. And and the voice control actually works pretty well with this one. And, oh, you know, cool. when, I, when I drove the BZ4X, you know, I asked them about this this kind of weird setup where you know you can't show two things on the screen at once uh and they said well you can just use use voice you know to you know pause the music you know while you've got the nav up things like that or to change the volume uh so and and that to to their credit that stuff actually does work pretty well on here um so you know it's not it's not a total loss uh but you know i you know for me i like to have the media player controls and the map up there at the same time. Uh, and if you use uh, Android Auto or CarPlay, that's actually what you get. You know, so I've, I've got a screenshot. I, like that. I, 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 I keep hitting that little button until it shows all three things. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah. Now I can see what I'm listening to. I can see my directions. No, that's, you want to see the, everything all at once? Yeah. I all wanna, of like, it. There's a all the I, things. Yep. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a relatively minor quibble because I think – the reality is most people probably are going to use have their phone connected and use that. Um, you know, the design, you know, we've talked about it before. It's um, it's very, very designed. It's very styled. <laughs> it's this designed. Is, this is not a dull-looking truck. Um, you know, the, the grill, well, you know, if you don't like BMW's new grills, <laughs> you're probably not going to be a big fan of this one. Oh either. my god! Uh, it's 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 ginormous. Um, it's a lot. It's it's a lot of grill. Um, aside from that, most of the rest of it, you know, I, the the truck actually drives really well. I thought, you know, the uh, in in most instances, I found that the uh, the ride quality was actually slightly better than what I got with the F one fifty, and you know the the Tundra does have uh, coil spring rear suspension like the uh, like the Ram 1500s do, so that's I think that helps. Um, you know it it felt very stable, um, steering felt decent. Uh, it's very roomy. Um, it doesn't have you know some of the cool features that you get on the F150 like the Pro Power on board uh, with all the plugs in the in the bed things like that. You can't get that on here, um, and you know no no fancy tailgates or steps in the tailgate things like that. Uh, it's it's more basic, uh, you know, when it comes to some of those features. But overall, the things that Toyota has done, they've, you know, aside from the styling, they've generally executed quite well on. Uh, so the the Tundra starts at about thirty-five thousand uh, dollars for the the extended cab, um, short bed, uh, rear wheel drive, the limited Crew Max four wheel drive that I had uh, with the uh, TRD package on there. Came to a grand total of uh, let's see, uh, pull this up and scroll over sixty thousand one hundred um, and eighty-eight dollars. Sixty thousand dollars and doesn't have a little step in the, the bed. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's cheaper than the eighty-three thousand dollar F one fifty hybrid platinum I had. That's so, true. Um, so take 
um, what, how much do you think it costs to ship this thing from San Antonio to wherever your local Toyota dealer is? Nineteen ninety-five. Robbie wins again. Sixteen ninety-five. Yeah. Did I'm gonna make him go first next time? I'm just gonna go lower. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. That's a good, yeah. That's what you want to be at the end. You're of the cheating. Thing. You want to be at the end. It can be one dollar. <laughs> one dollar. What? Oh, one I dollar. guess what? One one other thing um, about the way this thing looks. You know, it did have the three thousand dollar TRD off road package, um, which has big twenty inch wheels and everything, but um, it doesn't ride. It doesn't sit particularly high. Like a lot of times, you know, like if you get a Sierra AT4 or an F-150 Tremor or something like that, they're actually quite a bit, they seem to sit quite a bit higher. And this one did not. Um, I forgot to check what the ground clearance is, but it seems like it sits quite a bit lower on its wheels than most other full-size trucks with an off-road package do. Um, so, but, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. So that's that's the 2022 Tundra Limited. I mean, it doesn't have a fancy tailgate, but you know, in like 40 years, this thing will still be running. So. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you'll, as long as you change yep. the oil and stuff, this thing will probably run a million miles without it too much difficulty. It will never die. Until the end nope. of time. Until the end of time. You'll have a forever. Or a tree but, falls on it. Or shh. No, <laughs> it'll still fine. go. Yeah. It's not it'll just it. have a big dent. It'll go. It'll just <laughs> yeah, go a little it'll crooked. keep going. It's just... <laughs> Like ah, shake it off, shake it off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got this week. Um, oh, Porsche showed off a, a new Cayman GT4 um, in Europe uh, called the 718 Cayman GT4 E Performance. Um, this is uh, an electric version of the Cayman GT4, um, and uh, all you know, I think in uh, max power mode. Puts out a little over a thousand horsepower. Um, you know, this is basically using the the electric powertrain stuff that they had in the um, Mission R concept last year, and um, this thing is really fast. Um, apparently, <laughs> it's got comparable performance to uh, uh, a GT3 Cup car, a 911 GT3 Cup, um, and with the battery that's in there. Uh, it will run for about 30 minutes, which is long enough to run a typical uh, 911 Cup GT3 Cup race. Uh, and it sounds like there's a pretty decent chance that they might build these and do another um, single-make series like the, uh, the 911, uh, 911 Cup Carrera Cup series. So you're going to buy one? Um, probably not. No, uh, no, I I don't think my pockets are quite deep enough to uh, to swing this one. I don't think many pockets are deep enough to quite swing this one. Most pockets are far too shallow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <that's> sad. <laughs> but um, apparently, I guess the next generation came in and Boxster are going to be electric. Um, they're they're ditching the internal combustion engines and are going electric. Um, and so this is kind of a preview of what to expect from those. Um, and the, uh, the, the link to the story in the drive, um, that, uh, I'll have in the show notes includes a video, uh, from Chris Harris where he got to drive this thing and he was quite impressed. He liked it a lot. I can imagine. I mean, the, 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 the Tycon is so great and the idea that they're going to put this on in a Cayman and the Boxster, you're just like, okay, well, if anyone's not going to mess this up, it's going to be Porsche. They're going to like, they're going to exactly. make sure that when you get into that 
get Cayman, the electric Cayman, it's going to be a Cayman. It's going to be exactly what you expect it to be. It's just going to be electric. Just it'll be a little bit quieter and have a lot more torque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot. Well, I, I mean, actually, if you watch the, the, the video in here, this thing actually makes a fair bit of noise, but it you know it's not like traditional and you know yeah bo- uh, Porsche boxer engine noise. Right. You know, it's it sounds more like a Formula E car. It's got that whine. I talked to uh, to Lamborghini about this and about sound, and they they they're trying to figure out for their first electric Lamborghini how to do sound that's natural from an electric motor. They don't want to like have like piped in sound. They're trying to figure out how to make uh, uh, in, Make a noisy electric motor. Yeah, like a noisy electric motor that that for for Lamborghini. So they're still they're working on it. They don't they don't know exactly what they're going to do, but they're it's something that they're actually researching. So I can see if that works out for Lamborghini. If it comes out, and everyone's like, ooh. Then I think other automakers will probably start looking into it. And you know, since Porsche and Lamborghini are both owned by the Volkswagen Group, I could see Porsche being like, well, if they figure it out, we can just tweak it to our to our own needs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Um, Honda released a teaser image of the 2024 Prologue, their first um, new uh, EV for North America. Uh, it's a SUV. Can't tell if it's a three row or a two row. Looks like it's you know roughly pilot sized. Um, and this is going to be built by GM. Um, along with uh, an Acura on the same platform, on the, the GM Ultium platform. What do you guys think of this? Is this just this one image, or am I missing something That's else it. in just, here? Just the one image. Okay, this is a weird image, or the car is weird. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like it's got it, a, a very low um, greenhouse it, and a very long like, hood. Okay, you've ever taken a picture of a car, and you mean to edit it down, like to chop out the sides, and then like like extraneous images on the side of your vehicle when you take a picture and you accidentally forget to keep it, tell it to keep its like don't stretch it out really long, don't yeah. make it really oh, yeah, fat. Yeah. It looks like you did that and it went whoop and you stretched it like four feet in either direction. Like, oh no, wait, undo that. Let's get back real proper car dimensions and just ch- it's it looks like you, you just squished you like took your hand on the roof and you went swoosh and, and then the edges went beep out the yeah. side. I'm not wrong. That's what it no, looks like. No, you're right. Kind of like, yeah, it looks like a fisheye lens. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't look wide, right. Like a wide angle. Why would they thing. do that? That's one of those things when you do it and you take a picture, it's a you're like, whoops. Image. It's a teaser image. Yeah, it's a sketch. I mean, it's not even a, you know, like a, a, a full CGI render of it. Yeah. I can't. No. I, then the front it, end then looks then kind it, of like the new Civic. Yeah. It's, I Does know. it? I wish they'd kind of. the prelude instead. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm with you, Prelude! Yay! But you know, everyone's gonna, it's, uh, it's probably not going to be. I don't. I don't think it'll be a third row. I think it'll be a two row because they're trying to. You know, they're, they're Volkswagen wouldn't bring the ID3 over here because they wanted to make sure that the first vehicle they got over here sold a lot. And Honda, I mean, Honda got rid of the the Fit just so they could get more CRV sales. The Fit was doing pretty well, but yeah. it wasn't an SUV. So yeah, yeah they're going to go for that. I would bet it's a two row. They're going to go for that two, that sweet spot, small mm-hmm. two-row SUV that everyone, or at least that's what they're hoping everyone will, will buy. And, I, you yeah. know, it, 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 I, I will just say that I'm, I'm very sad that they referenced the e-Honda in the uh, first paragraph of this uh, press release. Yeah. 
But they referenced well it, but they won't sell it Honda to us. Honda E. I'm sorry, not E Honda. E Honda is the guy from uh, Street Fighter, Street Fighter yeah. Two. <laughs> um, the Honda E, yeah, about the same size, by the way. Honda E, E Honda, and the Honda E are about the same size. Um, they referenced the Honda E in the first paragraph of this press release, and they were refused to bring it over here. And I'm still very, very bitter about that. You're Just bitter, and angry. Well, me. yeah, I mean, the, the first, the first bullet point. On here, styling completed at Honda Design Studio in Los Angeles shows hint of Honda E. It's well, does, so, this thing doesn't look anything like a Honda E. Nope. And if you're so proud of the Honda E, make it global. Come on. Yeah. Don't 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 be like that, Honda. Don't do us like that. <laughs> don't do that. Or this, how about I don't know a, a refresh of the Honda E with Ultium. I don't know something. Just bring us the second gen. They're they're never gonna bring it. We're gonna get this instead. This is gonna be the first. And Honda's super, super conservative about what they'll sell, sell and won't sell. And it has to sell one bazillion units in order for them to keep it on the market. Is that an like, official? Can you give a source for the one bazillion units, Roberto? It's in, it's, in Wiki, it's in Wikipedia. It's from E-Honda. It's a, oh, guy, it's from <laughs> E-Honda, the guy from Street Fighter 2. Nicely done. The thousand, the thousand hand slap. He's like, by the way. We have to stay a thousand hand slap, build a gazillion cars sold. A gazillion only- cars or we're not building it. <laughs> we could have a Honda Fit hybrid right now, but we don't. Think how nice yeah. that would be. Honda Fit. It's like a it's like a TARDIS. There's yeah. more room on the inside than you think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's sad, but it's maybe sad. not enough Americans <laughs> want to buy those. I they would have sold uh, no, they did sell they sold a lot of them. They just didn't sell as many. Yeah. They didn't sell the, I forgot the number already, bazillion, was a that? Bazillion. What a, yeah. They a did bazillion. not sell the, the, the clear bazillion required to make it a profitable Especially vehicle. when you think about it now with prices, with gas prices being so high. Like the Honda Fit, like once, if, if the dealers were selling them, like, oh, by the way, you can put all the all the stuff you can put on a CR, CRV, you can put in the back of this car as well. People are like, oh, and I could save gas? Oh. <laughs> no. Um, so speaking of small EVs. Uh, mm-hmm. The Nissan Sakura, or Sakura, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, this is uh, a new, um, a new uh, K- electric K car that uh, Nissan has just launched, uh, along with Mitsubishi in Japan. Um, what do you guys think of this one? It's so cute. They need it's to bring a- this car to um, to the United States. It's Done. a little. Done. Just bring it here. Okay, it's okay. It's. Price below fourteen thousand dollars in Japan. Let's say all the stuff they have to do it to make it American, it goes up to I don't know, sixteen, seventeen thousand. Then you put the tax credit on it. You could get an EV that has, and what are they saying, one hundred twelve miles of range, ninety miles of range, EPA. They just cruise around town. You guys, this little tiny roller skate, which is adorable. It has 63 horsepower. Sixty-three horsepower, and, just, and it has a turning radius of fifteen point seven feet. It'll go it's, 80 miles an hour. You, you, it's like the, it's you, the cutest you could do little a, thing. You, you could do a U-turn in a typical residential street. You oh could do God, the U-turn in the back of the Toyota Tundra. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> you could. Just right in the bed. <laughs> I, I, I think there's, there is a market for these really tiny cars um, in the United States if you can get them. Pro- I mean, $14,000. That is cheap. And, and if here, you know, it's going to be more expensive because they bring right, it here. Right, but they still. Whatever. But you throw the tax credit on that, I, there, I think a lot of people would be very happy. would be like, oh, I can get a little EV that just for driving around town that I could go to the store and pick stuff up in. I can throw the dogs in the back. I can pick the kids up from school. 
for under ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. As as opposed to uh, the Mini Cooper SE, which also has a hundred and ten mile range, but it costs more than twice as much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this range is WLTP, so this is not a real range. This is a fake. <laughs> well, still, I mean, a, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say like 85 miles of range. Uh, yeah, probably closer to 90, maybe 95. Well, I'll be speeding everywhere. Yeah. I'll be, I've got sport mode. <laughs> well, it's only, got six, it's only got 63 horsepower. You can't speed. Yeah. I mean, the most you can get is 80. You can't even get the go as fast as the car will let you. Your speeding ticket's still not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think of all the money. And you're going to save money on electricity right? because it's only got like a 20 kilowatt hour pack. So it charges in like a second. In a um, half a second. Yep. <laughs> you're not gonna, Boom, you're you know, charged. The cost of the car is, is under $10,000. And you're never going to get a ticket because there's no way you're going to... You can't go that fast. <laughs> Everything. Why Why don't we have this? Come I know. on. Why don't we have this? This would be fun. Do you think they'll give it to us? No. No. Be- because, no. Not a because, snowball's chance. Yeah. Somebody coming up behind it in a tundra will never even see it. Just they'll just, they'll right just drive right over it. Yeah, but they can't see me in my BRZ either in their tundra. That's true. <laughs> to be fair. Or a Mini Cooper. or a yeah. <laughs> that, And that's more of a problem with the trucks than with us. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Um, a new uh, documentary came out um, on Friday um, on uh, Hulu. Um, it was published by the New York Times, uh, and uh, it's called Elon Musk's Crash Course. Um, did either of you have a chance to watch it? No, I wasn't. I was in Europe. No, I did not. Okay. Well, I did. I I got a screener for it and, and? watched it. Um. They spend a lot of time talking to Joshua Brown's friends. Uh, Joshua Brown is the guy who died in the first, no, he was the first known fatality in an autopilot crash. Uh, back in May of 2016, um, a truck, a semi, was uh, made a left turn in front of him. Uh, he was in autopilot and not paying attention. And um, the, the car, the, the system did not recognize that the truck was not a bridge. Uh, and just kept right on driving at 70-plus miles an hour um, and sliced the top off the car, uh, turned it into a convertible. Um, And there have been multiple other crashes over the years uh, where people have died while using autopilot. Um, The the director, you know, the filmmakers, um, you know, they they talked to uh, a few former Tesla autopilot engineers um, they talked to Neil Bedette and Cade Metz from the Times, uh, both very good reporters. I know both of them. You know, the stuff they said, absolutely spot on. Um, but you know, they also spent, uh, I think, an inordinate amount of time talking um, about Josh Brown. You know, and talking with his friends about you know why he was so gung ho on testing autopilot and everything. You know, it's like it. It doesn't. None of that matters. You know, it's irrelevant to the story, really. Um, and, you know, they, they did talk to um, Robert Sumwalt, the former chairman of the National Transportation Safety Board, uh, and another um, member of the board whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, you know, and when, after the Josh Brown crash, you know, NTSB and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration did an extensive investigation as, into what happened. And, you know, the NTSB, as we've said before, they don't have any regulatory authority or enforcement authority. They're an investigative body mm-hmm. that looks into accidents with aviation, 
rail, marine, and ground vehicles. And um, then they, they investigate and make recommendations. And they made a bunch of really good recommendations after this crash. Like systems like this should be geofenced to divided highways only. Um, they should have robust driver monitor systems. And, you know, there was a bunch of other things. But those are probably the two most important. And, the, you know, they, they talked to the NTSB, you know, and they talked about, you know, what their recommendations were. But they, the only person they talked to from NHTSA was the former communications director there. Huh. And he didn't say much and didn't really defend why NHTSA, you know, basically did nothing and why, you know, for in the NHTSA report, you know, they actually cited data that they got from Tesla that autopilot reduced incidents of crashes by 40 percent, which, um, you know, they didn't actually get the full raw data from Tesla. Um, and by the time that um, somebody did, uh, you know, was able to go through the whole uh, Freedom of Information Act request, or rather they got the data from Tesla, but they didn't publish it. They only published the, you know, that statement that it reduced crashes by 40%. And somebody, you know, didn't, you know, was doing an investigation into that and spent like two and a half years trying to get that data from NHTSA. They, when they finally got it, they started diving into it. And he published a big long report on it. And it turns out it was all bogus. Uh, most of the data was useless. And you know what data there was that actually demonstrated, you know, how effective autopilot was versus uh, versus um, non-autopilot actually showed that it had more crashes rather than less. Womp, so womp. you know the, the the filmmakers really missed an opportunity to to really look into what happened at NHTSA. Why did NHTSA not do anything back in 2016 when they had the opportunity to, and subsequently didn't do, still hasn't done anything, and even up until now, when we're still having crashes of vehicles with autopilot. So, um, you know, I think that that was a, a real a real missed opportunity by the filmmakers to to look into that. Yeah. I I went to a, the NTSB um, final conclusion of the the Tesla accident where the gentleman was driving a Model X. And the Walter Wong it, crash. Yeah, the Walter Wong crash, and mm -hmm. it kept it kept like trying to drag him into this off this this um, this uh, exit lane. It's on the left hand side along the, the I think it was a 280 or the 101, doesn't it? It's 280. 280, and so you know they they. We went through the whole, you know, proceeding. They they told every, everything that had happened, and at the end of it, NTSB could not be more irritated with NHTSA. They spent mm -hmm. like the, after they did the whole thing, then they spent like a good twenty minutes just saying, "We can't do anything about this. We can just tell you what happened." NHTSA is doing absolutely nothing. And then they brought up like NHTSA tweets. And there was like tweets about, oh, you should be buying a car. They're like, it's not NHTSA's job to, to sell cars for people. It's NHTSA's yeah. job to keep you safe on the road. So the NTSB is not um, happy with NHTSA. It wasn't happy. This is uh, 2020. Um, January? No. I don't know. It was before uh, – I know it was before March 2020. So January yeah. February 2020. Went all the way to Washington, D.C. for this. And it's – yeah, it's it's true. It's this, this sort of like – well, I think there was there was this 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 reticence to do anything because there was this concern that you were going to be stifling innovation. Oh, we're stifling innovation, and that's not really what's ever happened in any of these things. Where there's no one stifling innovation, they've allowed uh, these companies to run without regulation, and the the result is we've had all these issues. 
because everyone was like afraid there were, you know, every administration for the last, you know, three or four administrations have been concerned about stifling innovation. And the reality is that there has to be a framework that keeps people safe and, you know, and none of it is what was, was actually or ever has stifled any innovation. Yeah. And in fact, it's, it's the exact opposite. You know, when, you know, when they started putting safety regulations on cars, that's mm-hmm. what led to a ton of innovation. I mean, we've had enormous amount of innovation over the last 50 years since they started regulating uh, automotive safety. And, you know, I mean, that's why we have airbags and, you know, se- the kinds of seat belts we have today and the kinds of crash structures we have today um, and electronic stability controls and all this other stuff is because of regulation, not in, not despite it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's always been a bogus argument as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, all these people are very smart that are building these systems. And if they're smart enough to build a system, they're smart enough to build them so that they they work within a regulatory framework and they keep people safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of, none of these people are like, oh, no, we have to. I mean, Super Cruise is geofenced. It's not like that's something that's difficult to do. Blue Cruise is geofenced. It's yeah. yeah. It's yeah. none of this stuff is is. I mean, it may be difficult, but these people are are smart, or at least they say they're smart. <laughs> so <laughs> they are gonna, reportedly smart. <laughs> reportedly, allegedly, and at least they've told us time and time again how very smart they are. <laughs> <laughs> they keep reminding us. They, know, they keep especially. Reminding us. Especially uh, those in Silicon Valley. They never let us forget how smart oh, they are. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on it. <laughs> so very, a, very, very smart. When I was a tech reporter, everyone told me they were changing the world. And there's nothing quicker, you know, within – after, like, the second – I'm like, wait, the, the last people just told me they were changing the world. You can't all be changing the world. and they <laughs> you can't all be doing this. Who's lying? <laughs> eventually, yeah, I, 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 I ended up not – I did not have a lot of fans in many uh, companies. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, when you got to uh, Lake Como last week, um, you got to spend some time um, at the uh, Concorso Deleganza. What'd you see? I saw a lot of cars. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Sucker. it was it's um, it was a very I, I, I've been to Pebble Beach a bunch of times, and that's really the only concourse I've been to. Um, actually, not just really. That is the only concourse I've ever been to is Pebble Beach. It's near my house, sort of. And there's news around it, so I'll go. Um, this one's a lot. It, I actually preferred it over Pebble Beach because it was a more intimate affair. It was a lot smaller. There were fewer vehicles. Um, there weren't like 60 Studebakers. You're like, okay, I got it. You guys bought a bunch of goddamn <laughs> <laughs> There's actually like one of each cool car so yeah so i i went it was it was very nice it's very exclusive which uh and very fancy which if you probably listen to the podcast i am neither of those things <laughs> you are the fanciest well, you are, to come you are on. totally exclusive there is no one else like you robbie i guess there's that but it's <laughs> i'm also yeah i'm not very fancy to, to i got really excited because there was a uh um <laughs> Yeah. On the way to go look at something, there was a Piaggio Porter, which is a very tiny, like, uh, um, minivan. It's very, okay. very tiny. Um, and I was like, oh, look at this Piaggio Porter. <laughs> also, it's a Piaggio. So, mostly when, in this country, when you think Piaggio, you think scooters. Um, but you can get a little Piaggio minivan. Um, and it, it's, it's delightful. It is a delightful little vehicle. 
but for the most part, yeah, no, there's a there's a Mercedes or BMW was one of the main um, sponsors. So there's a lot of BMWs, 2002s. Uh, there was the 700 RS, uh, the M1. There was Carl Lagerfeld, Lagerfield, Lagerfeld, Lager, Lagerfeld, Lagerfeld, I think. Lagerfeld. Carl Lagerfeld's uh, seven series. There, he had one specially made. It was a little bit stretched. It had like a fax machine in it or something. Someone told me. I don't know. <laughs> I kept trying to look in the window. It was all darkened in the back for a fax machine. Instead, I just saw like two or three CD players. Um, his car was there. I guess he had it for a little while. Then he gave it back to BMW. Um, there was the, uh, a couple M1s. There was a, uh, Meyer Manx, um, which wasn't Ooh. in the show. It was just parked a lot, like someone had driven it there. So I just <laughs> took a picture of that. <laughs> did uh, you see the, uh, Aston Martin Bulldog? I did see the Aston Martin Bulldog. Uh, that thing is cool. They're actually working on making it cause it's, it, that's supposed to have a top speed of 200 miles an hour. And it, of course, it never went 200 miles an hour. But hell, until yeah. recently, it barely went at all. Yeah. So the, the, the person who bought it is a, apparently they're trying to get it up to 200 miles an hour. And wow. so they're they're working on try you know getting it going. And um, I there's I you can go on my Instagram um, strngwys. That's my Instagram handle, same as Twitter. Um, so I have a lot of pictures, including the bulldog. Um, I put the bulldog. Uh, they finally opened up the the back, so you can see the engine bay. So I put that in my Instagram stories, but I'll put it up. I'll you know what? I'll throw it up on the on my my main feed, so you guys can look at the the engine bay. It's it's very pretty. Um, yeah, the, you know, there's there's a bunch of uh, there's a, a De Tomaso and um, you know a, a, an 004CS. There's there's a lot of like really ridiculous crazy cars that you sort of see at this thing but a lot of really really nice old i mean there's a bunch of sls i feel like sls even though one just sold for like a bazillion dollars 125 million or whatever i think 143 wow 143 there's a lot of there's still a lot of sls in the world because every car thing i go to hey there's an sl hey there's an sl everyone loves an sl by the way i've driven an sl it's, it's fantastic there were some ferraris there um one of my uh, most favorite Ferraris is the one that doesn't look like a Ferrari. It just looks like a, an odd little car, which is the the 250 GT Zagato. It's a 56, um, which is a little blue two-seater. And it, over the, the driver and the passenger's head, there's like a little bubble. But in the middle, it's like in, in the in the roof. I don't know. It's just a fun little weird little car. I like this. I like the 50s era Ferraris a lot because they're just like these... Little compact, like fun machines. I, I like that yellow SL Roadster. Yeah, yeah, the the, the, yeah, the SL Roadster is really that thing was bright. Yeah. I think it burned my eyes. Uh, there was a, <laughs> is it as bright as your blue car? Your it's, actual? It's brighter. It was brighter than the blue car. There's an Aston Martin. There was a DB8. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, oh, oh, there was this Lancia there that uh, uh, I really liked, um, and it had uh, like both wheels, both the front and the rear wheels had little half covers little half spats on it and it was the b junior atlantic is an italian car company that no one in america probably knows about but anyway it was just like this <laughs> little, little. they haven't sold lancias here since the 70s i think yeah yeah it's just i didn't even know little. they ever sold them here so i just learned something i knew that they knew they existed i never knew they were even in the united states <laughs> so there you go yeah yeah no there's there you know they had um i actually have a how many cars were there? I don't know. A bunch. I guess there's a number, but I don't have it. Um, I think you're was, right, though. The Piaggio Porter is definitely the winner of the show. 
yeah. See? That's what I think. That's, no one that's the best in shell. Instead, it was like a, I put it was like an old something. I'll tell you the winner. Hold on. I had it and I forgot it. I think it was, yeah, it was Bugatti. The Bugatti, a 1937 Bugatti 57S. It was in one of the Class A cars. Class A and Class B, I'm always just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> they all kind of, they all remind me of Cruella de Vil or like, gangster movies or the nazis there's like three <laughs> things that are that, that come to mind when i think about class a and class b so i'm always just like eh. like i saw 101 dalmatians it was fine <laughs> oh, <laughs> people spend okay. so much money on those vehicles they're they're you know then they, they they're like little pieces they're little works of art because they, they put so much work into them but i'm i don't know for some reason i think i've seen them so many times at uh, pebble beach and i'm just like eh. <laughs> just not impressed I, I don't know. I guess I don't feel like they get driven very much. I feel like they're very much. They, these are cars that's that someone sticks into sticks in a room, and they they never leave that room outside of going to one of these events. And to me, I mean, that's just it's which yeah. is sad. Yeah, which is kind of sad. And I feel like some of these these other vehicles, like the, they'll drive. I mean, not a lot, but they'll every once in a while they'll take them out and drive them and, and really you know open them up to all eighty horsepower that they have. Because <laughs> old cars don't have a lot of power. Oh, this I, I just pulled up a, a photo of this uh, Bugatti, and it, it's interesting because it's it's actually not restored. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, it looks like um, someone pushed it down a hill. Yeah, it, it look it looks like a hundred year old car. <laughs> it does. It's 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 like there's it's leathery. I mean, it looks kind of it looks cool, but at the same time, you're like, eh, okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's like I, I bought an old, you know, you, you found a, 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 um, a Warhol, like, that has a little bit of mold on it and stuff. And you're like, well, there's a couple scratches, maybe the thing. You're like, oh, well, but it's like his first Warhol. It's still a Warhol, yeah. right? Yeah, it's still a Warhol. So you keep it and you put it up and then you just no, hide I mean, it. I, you hide I, it in I a like, room until you, until you show it at an expedi- exhibi- exhibition. I, I like, you know, old cars like this, you know, with the patina, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, something about, you know, having a, you know, 70, 80, 90 year old car mm. that, you know, looks, looks like it's brand new just doesn't seem right. Feels wrong. It should look yeah. like it's, it's seen it, a little bit of something. Yeah. yeah. Are you looks, looking at this or are you looking at the 59 sports? The type no, 59? No, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, uh, the, the type 57 S that won. Okay. Because the Type 59 Sport S, or the, the black one with the yellow stripe down the side. Hold on, I get the little thing. Yes, to look things up now. No, that's a different one. <laughs> oh, is it? The Type 57 here. That's like a Corella Duville car. It wasn't even the cool oh. one. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, this even is the this car. is the one I'm looking at. Let me see. I just dropped it in the chat. Um, yeah, th- this we'll one. Put a I picture in cool. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the. Yeah, wait, is this the one? Fifty-seven S. Wait, is this? I'm looking at this book. Oh, is this book wrong? Well, there might have been an. Did they put the wrong car up? Well, no. It says uh, along with this one, there was a 1934 Type 59 race car and a 37 Type 57 Stelvio. Okay, yeah. So which this is, is the one that you just showed us. Yeah. So I think this 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 one that you know looks like it's all beat up. I think is the one that won. 
Hold on, I'm looking at my email. 57S. 57S. I'm going to do some investigating. We'll answer it next show. We'll argue <laughs> over who actually won. No, I don't think... Is my book wrong? Oh, this is 57C. Sorry. That's my problem. There's my, there's my issue. Sorry. I was looking at the 57C. No wonder I was being... I was like, well, I don't know why this car won at all. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this one says 59. Huh. Oh, well. Anyway. Well, anyway. An old car that none of us can afford bought yeah. one. An old car that none of us can afford. It's always the same. It's always Class A and Class B that win as well. That's, that's yeah. my other thing. I'm just like, meh. I voted for the, the Ferrari to be... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only person I think who voted for it. I'm like, I don't care. I'm voting for the Ferrari. We, got, we, each, we all got to, we got to vote. So that was nice. Um, but I know that I don't know anyone there because I don't know a lot of rich people, unfortunately. Um, but if I did, I would have got him to vote for the Ferrari. Oh, uh, you know, I th- I think the the one that you just showed us because I found another thing here is is actually the one that won, not not the one that I found. So. Oh, okay. Anyway. So, it, anyway, some I think the Dupont registry messed up is what we're saying. Yes, I think you're probably okay. right. I'm Which, sorry. frankly, wouldn't surprise me all that much. That's fine. But I used to yeah. buy the DuPont registry all the time when I was a kid. Um, and then we would look at the weird cars that were for sale. Because there always be like the old, like, eh, eh. and then there'd be like a Geo Metro with like a V8 in it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like insane, weird things that people, like monsters that people had Frankenstein together. They're like, here's a Fiero with a V12. We're like, how did that even? <laughs> <laughs> you got to sit in another car in order to drive it. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, let's answer a few listener questions that have come in in the past hour. Uh, we finally got some. Um, let's start off with Andrew Pappas. <clears throat> um, how long until we get touchscreens on the steering wheel? Real issue. Cars get more and more safety tech, but deaths keep rising. My thought is that cars are too isolating and poor visibility combined with safety tech being a crutch is the problem. Uh, can the tide be turned at all? Well, I think we're, we're we're looking at our phones too much, and I think some people are looking at their the, that display as well too often. Yeah, I mean, people are still. I if you ride a motorcycle, you if you drive a car, you're like, oh, I'm sure lots of people look at the phone. If you ride a motorcycle and you sit a little higher, you're looking down in the cars. Everyone is on their goddamn phones all yeah. the time. It's terrifying. It's mm-hmm. absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 been driving even here in Michigan. Yeah, you know, there was one time I was driving down the, the highway, and some guy in a uh, Model Three, I saw him coming up behind me, and you know I stayed over to the right, and as he was going by, I looked over, and he was sitting there looking down at his phone, uh, texting, you know, while he was in autopilot mode, wasn't looking at the road, wasn't touching the steering wheel, it was it was terrible. That's bad. And, yeah. and that's the craziest part because they're like, well, I'll, I'll hide it by putting it down and then looking down. We all know, know you're on your phone. Yeah, it makes yeah. it even worse. Like you're holding it down so a cop can't see you. What, what do they think you're like staring at your crotch doing? Like yeah. what? Like, oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was at an, uh, I was over <laughs> at uh, Magna at last Friday for a demo of their latest uh, driver monitor system. Um, they're, you know, along with several other suppliers, they're also working with, uh, seeing machines, the company that supplies the, the tech that's used by GM and super Cruise. Um, and what they've done is what Magna has done is they've integrated it into the rearview mirror. Um, so it's a, actually a higher resolution version of the infrared camera that seeing machines has developed, mm-hmm. um, and updated version of the software. So it, 
uh, not only is it looking at eye gaze uh, and head pose, but it, it's also looking at the, the driver's mouth. Um, so, for example, it can recognize, for example, if the driver is yawning. So uh, if they're oh, tired wow. and they yawn, it'll recognize that and can give you an alert saying, hey, you know, maybe it's time to take a, take a break. Um, you know, and, you know, of course, it'll also recognize if you're looking down at the phone um, or, you know, looking off at one of the passengers or something else. If you're not watching the road, you know, it can give you those kinds of alerts. Um, so, you know, we're going to see more and more capable driver monitor systems coming to market. But to part of Andrew's question about touchscreens in the steering wheel, um, did either of you two ever see the interior of the Byton M-Byte? Yes. 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 That was a mm-hmm. bad idea. There's bad, nothing good. Bad, bad, Betty, bad, bad. It had a touchscreen in the steering wheel. Yeah. I remember they. I asked them about um, about uh, airbags, and they're like, "Oh, we have it so it'll set up so it'll like." Yeah. Well, it went I, up I actually or it went down or something. Yeah, like that. I I actually went for a, a ride, but you know, before they shut down their their office in uh, San Jose, um, I visited them a few years back and went for a ride in a prototype and. And spent some time in the studio with their interior designer, their head of user experience design, um, in their interior buck, going going through all that stuff. And the way they had it set up is, you know, where you typically have the airbag module, um, uh, the the steering wheel uh, the steering wheel spokes actually angled back and attached to the steering column behind this module behind the airbag module. So that uh, what, what you actually had is the top half of it was a touchscreen, and then the bottom half was the airbag. Um, and it didn't rotate. So when you turn the steering wheel, that part stayed where it was. Um, and the reason why they, they had it that way is because you know, it also had this big, massive pillar-to-pillar screen, you know, like a 49-inch oh, screen. Yeah, that giant that it was, screen. That was set back away from you, so you couldn't, you couldn't actually it. reach it to touch it. So the the touchscreen in the steering wheel was actually the interface, the control interface to control stuff on that screen. Um, It was which is super concept. It's super awkward because you you know that this you know if it's it's because you're 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 pulling your arm in and then moving it over. So now you look like a T Rex. And you're trying. Well, there was also (laughs) a couple. There was also a couple of knobs on the side. Yeah, they had knobs for the thumb. Yeah, you can scroll with your thumbs and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it was. I remember it was just being sort of odd, and then I don't yeah. think I don't think it was an improvement over the. I mean, the the straight arm trying to use the yeah. infotainment system, which isn't still isn't that great because especially when you have a super complex for no damn reason uh, infotainment system, <laughs> um, and they don't have anywhere to put your hand when you start bouncing around. Again, there's a lot of things you don't have to put in the infotainment system, people like yeah. controls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately, we won't have to worry about that one coming to market likely anytime in the foreseeable future because M-Byte's been struggling to survive, and I, I don't think they'll ever get to production. Yeah, yeah. sadly. Or uh, well, Byte, no, not M-Byte. <laughs> M-Byte was the, was the model. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, EXT Lite asks, uh, GM's ground-up strategy with the Silverado EV versus Ford's hack chassis F-150 Lightning. Uh, what event? <laughs> What advantages will GM see, if any? Uh, we know the time to market isn't one. Um, <laughs> that, the tone well, of that question kind of implies wow. that, that this person doesn't think what Ford has done is good. Hack a, I like that term, though. <laughs> what was it again? Hack a, Hack a yeah. chassis. Hack a 
hack a chassis. It's like there were once upon a time there were hackathons. Now we're gonna have okay, build the next EV. Let's hack a chassis. Hack a chassis. I mean, it's. I, I think it, it, it's regardless of the platform. I mean, Ford's just sort of body on frame. It's a hack a chassis. Which, yeah. <laughs> by the way, I'm never gonna stop using. Uh, I'm gonna use that all the time. OTM, I mean, when you look at the what they're offering. I mean, the Ford offering is just seem it's a it's already in market, <laughs> um, and B it feels more like what truck owners want, especially the 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 commercial owners, um, and the yeah the commercial owners down to like the person who who buys a truck for his one or two person contractor landscaping landscaping company. Whereas the Silverado is like, hey, it's all new and weird, so all the things you bought for the Silverado they're not gonna fit in this truck. Yeah. Womp womp. Yeah. It's an Big avalanche. Womp, womp. It's just an avalanche. <laughs> just an avalanche. Uh, don't let GM hear you say that. I was going to say, you're in trouble now. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be fine when it comes out, but it still looks like an avalanche. Yeah, I mean, it, the problem is it's you know it's going to be another year before it arrives. And, yeah. You know, which F-150s are going to customers now. So, um, All right. Uh, Adam asks, um, besides a financial crisis, what would cause Sam to sell the Miata? Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't. Nothing. Uh, well, nothing. Uh, only if somebody offered me uh, one of you know a similar vintage with similar low miles in Mariner blue. Yeah, you know, I would do a straight up trade for a Mariner blue one, uh, but that's about it. So it's not yeah. even a, just okay. So you just want a better. So it's not better, even really. So that, I just want a different no, color. no, no, no. I feel like I'm going to rephrase his question. What if to just sell it period the end? You're not replacing it with a better color. Yeah, you, no. you have to sell. Not, not going to happen. Sell the, you have to. You sell have the to Miata. sell it and say goodbye to Miata forever. Nope, not going to happen. Okay, okay there then. you go. There's there you your go. answer. That's that the, is that's, the that's the real answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's the real answer. Like, Sam's on the streets. His family has disavowed his his even even my, his existence. But my, he's my sleeping in a Miata. Out of the house. You know, there's enough room for me and my wife and the dog. <laughs> Is your wife aware of your retirement plan? I just think she should know. <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> I don't think there's a there's, I don't think there's a glut of Miatas in the world, so it's not like it's ever going to be worth like one point nine one point forty six one hundred and forty six million dollars or whatever that yeah. sell one for. So it's not going to be that. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, John W. Halkius asks, uh, any insight to these random Tesla fires? Uh, none that I'm aware of. I, mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't cars, know what's going on. I mean, to be fair, car, all cars catch on fire. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. about two hundred thousand yeah. car fires a year yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. So, um, yeah, car, yeah. gas cars, electric cars, hydrogen cars, that cars, all, that cars N, catch fire. N, N, NPG the, uh, bus that had the crazy like flame shooting out of it. Um, yeah, all all vehicles. <laughs> what was that, that a CNG any, one? CNG, that's the one, not MPG. It's, I don't know. It was like that. MPG bus? What? CNG. <laughs> that's CNG bus that from, I don't know, somewhere uh, yeah. that was on fire and flames were shooting out of it. Yeah, all vehicles uh, have the potential to catch on fire unless they're water based. And I guess a bicycle. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, no, we, we don't have any insights onto these latest Tesla fires. Um, although I, I have seen a couple of different ones, you know, posted on Twitter in the last couple of days. So I, I have no idea what's going on. Um, Paul Kavanaugh, final question. Uh, why do automotive journalists use the term tank turn for what tankers refer to as a neutral steer turn? Um, come on, folks. Language matters. Neutral, neutral. What? I, yeah, I've never heard that thing. Also, tank turn, we all know it from video games. Playing tank games. 
Tank turn. Because we want to we use words that most people understand, and tank turn makes sense to a heck of a lot more people than whatever it was you just said, which I don't Neutral even know. Neutral steer turn. Neutral steer. That's a SAM term. I love you, Sam. That's an engineering yeah. kind of like really specific, like there's a really easy way to say that, tank turn. Or you can use the neutral steer turn. You say say tank turn, 99% of people are going to know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Neutral steer turn is, is, I mean, they both mean the exact same thing. Yes. That's the fun thing. If one of them The simplest word to say what you need to say is normally the best word. It's like autopilot. Like the right, most people assume that autopilot, the, the, how we've created, how we, how the word autopilot has evolved is that we all believe that autopilot means something runs automatically. This person was running on autopilot, but, uh, which is why Tesla gets in trouble for autopilot. The reality is, like, in on an airplane, autopilot isn't really autopilot. It's, like, something it's, else. It's, it's, it's basically cruise control. Yeah, it's right. basically cruise control, but because we, it's, this is what the word means, that's what the word means. It's, like, tank term. Yeah, I mean, yeah. autopilot in, in an aircraft basically just maintains your speed and direction, Yeah, you know, until you change this, change some settings. Mm-hmm. And so it's essentially just cruise control. Um, it's, it's not really, you know, autonomous flying. Yeah. But we've, as a, as a, as a society, we've come to use autopilot as something that's running on its own, which is yeah. this thing was on, this person was on autopilot just doing their job, which means they were doing it without thinking. It was just automatic. So, yeah. All right. That's it for this week. Um, that's it. Tank turn. Tank turns. <laughs> Tank turns. And wait, 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 wait. Hack a, hack a, hack a chassis? Hack a chassis. Hack a chassis and tank turns. That's the name of this episode. Hack a chassis lightning. Hack a chassis lightning. My my Kona EV is a hack a chassis. Yeah. I'll mention that to Darren Palmer next time I talk to him. I'm sure he'll get a good laugh out of it. What's going on with your hack a chassis? Oh, that's All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.